Channel F, the one with all the fun. The Fairchild Video Entertainment System at your larger JCPenney. The home entertainment system that never gets old. Plug in a new video card and change the fun. Microphone, if you're ready. Ah, here we are. Yeah, I, for some reason, I kept thinking, like, you know, because I, I, I had the uh, uh, the the multi-cart turned on, and I always assume that the order the games are in is, is usually proper. But I got to thinking, you know, was it Sonar Search or Memory Map? So I just started playing both. <laughs> All you had to do was pop onto the Facebook page and see the last one we posted. Well, yeah, I could have done that, but yeah. <laughs> I thought, hey, I'll just play some games. Because I actually, I got finished with what I was working on a little early and had some luxury time to sit here and play some Channel F. It's like, eh, okay, I'll play both. Needless to say, Sonar Search is a much better game. Uh, yeah. So you all ready to talk about video cart number 14, Sonar Search? Okay. So I am all kinds of ready. All right. So we're going to be talking about video cart number 14, Sonar Search. Basically, Great title. Basically, Battleship on the home computer screen. Home and well executed at that. Oh, yeah. So before we get started, what have you been up to since the last time we talked? Well, I number one, the most recent thing is uh, Mario Maker. Oh, my um, did you Have you got that yet? That? What's that? Did you still come to Mario Maker? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> have, you, have you not tried it yet? No. Oh, man, I tell you what, it is wonderful. Now, I bought this Wii U, like, when it came out, thinking, like, oh, I'm, you know, you know, the Wii, the Wii, the original Wii was the first console since the Sega Genesis I was excited about. And I was just, you know, hey, you know, wow, you know, the Wii was an amazing system. Let, let's see what they do with the. So, wait know, a minute, you weren't excited about when the Dreamcast was coming out? No, it's that whole that whole era, man. I just wasn't doing consoles. The whole Xbox, PlayStation, from pretty much from the Genesis until the Wii, I just kind of took a break from consoles. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just no nothing much. Now, now I am a Dreamcast fan. In retrospect, I picked one up since. I do like it, but you know, at the time, it was just consoles were just not doing it for me, you know. And uh, I got the Wii U uh, just sort of thinking, okay, you know, great. You know, let, let's see what they do with, you know, I thought maybe they'd go all in and really invest in, in, in giving it the, the horsepower it deserves. And it turned out to be the uh, Wii U Lite. It's just, there's no, no games for it. Like, I literally own one game, and that's the new Super Mario Brothers for the uh, Wii U. Just like nothing. It's like, like any of these modern consoles. It's not, I mean, look, I'm a gamer, man. I love video games. But when I go to the store and I literally go in there wanting to leave with a game and I go up and down the aisle, <clears throat> I'm like, driver, 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 driver. And they're unrealistic physics, terrible. The cars don't even sound like the real cars, which is okay if it's a fun driver. Like if it's something like, you know, um, Outrun, where it's just fun or power drift, you know. 
or they're not trying to be, you know, a simulator, right? Mm -hmm. But here it is. They, there's these racers that have unrealistic games, horrible sound, and, you know, one first-person shooter after another, you know. There's, there's, I just don't like the FPSs. I, I, number one, I'm no good at being a double-thumb gamer. I just, I can't do it. I'm the guy that's over there in a the corner looking up at the ceiling, you know, uh, <clears throat> just trying to get turned around. So I stink at it, which means I don't enjoy it. And then, you know, it, it's, it's just something. And, and I mean, I'm all for freedom of choice. I believe they should have every right to sell those games. But, you know, as, as a, a, a Army veteran and all this, just something weird to me about playing a game of something I did, you know, where, you know, people actually did die. And uh, it just, to me, it's not a game, you know. So yeah. just, it's a personal thing. It's not like I would never say, therefore, they shouldn't make video games with U.S. service members dying. You know, it's just something I don't want to watch, you know. I, I don't want to play. So, you know, then adding to that the fact I don't like sports, hell, there's nothing for me to buy. <laughs> <laughs> I like, literally, I, I cannot find a game to buy for the PS4 or, or, or Xbox One at all. So, or the damn dance games. I, I'm just not going to sit there and hop around and play dance, you know. So, given what that does to my choices, there's no games. Well, see, so, aren't you glad you didn't give away that Wii U or destroy it like you originally going to do? Yeah, that was just the sheer laziness that I didn't actually blow it up. But, um, <laughs> so Mario Maker comes, comes out. And I got to tell you, man, I, I love it. It's everything it's cracked up to be. Uh, you can sit there and build, you know, obviously, you know, replicas of the original levels, but with slight tweaks or changes. Or you can go tabula rosa and you can build whatever you want. And I have built some great levels. I, I'm, I got one that I'm working on. I'll show you when, when you're up here. It's the Retro Gaming Roundup level. So it's got RetroGamingRoundup.com spelled out in coins. And there's all these dastardly things keeping you from getting the coins, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Look, look, like I've said this for years. If the Game Boy, the original Game Boy, had come out with no cartridge slot, and it had just had onboard Tetris, if it was just Nintendo Tetris, I firmly, firmly believe they would have sold almost as many units just for Tetris as they would have sold with it as a cartridge system. Um and I tell you what, the Wii U finally has its killer app. Uh, it finally makes the tablet make sense. Um, I am just sitting here knocking out some Mario levels and having a blast at it. You know, because if you're not like, I mean, I've done game development for, you know, the, 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 the games we've released. But I've done that on a level that didn't involve, you know, deep coding. And I'm just not a code monkey. I just can't sit there and hammer out code. So um, having something that takes care of that for you lets you really get creative and just paint with the Mario world. I absolutely love this thing, man. It's, it's wonderful. Um, I would actually, I would suggest to anybody buying a Wii U just to play this game. It is, it is really that good. I, and the other neat thing is that you can upload courses that you make, right? And you can download courses that other people make. That is awesome. I'm telling you, I'll just go in there and just start scrolling through courses and you can try them if you like them. You can download them and save them on your, you know, memory card. Uh, I have just been playing the heck out of stuff. And some of these guys are making really good courses, you know. Uh, it's just like, basically, it's it's in the style of either the original Mario Brothers or the new Super Mario Brothers. And you can actually design a course and flip between the two styles with a little toggle switch. <laughs> so, you know, I'm telling you, it's like bottomless Mario. You just, you just fire it up and you play Mario endlessly you know um i love everything about it but that that just came out the other day um 
on uh, the 11th. And then, uh, other than that, man, did, did, I don't know if I mentioned on, on this podcast, right? did, did I mention I, I got that Ferrari simulator back to the house? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's up and running and done. Uh, the basement is, other than just getting air hockey down here and, and, and some minor odds and ends, like I got to hang some speakers and some monitors, you know, for the video uh, jukebox system. Other than that, the basement arcade is done, man. It's just you know a matter of waiting on the uh, the thing, uh, the you know the 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 party date. So, which uh, for our listeners, uh, if you check the Channel F uh, files Facebook page or the Retro Gaming Roundup uh, Facebook page, I'll announce the party. Our listeners are always welcome to attend. I'm in the uh, DC area. Willie will be up here, of course, and it'll you know. So if you want to come by and meet us and hang out and play some games. Uh, you know, I got a uh, butt ton of pinball and uh, arcades and, you know, now ski ball and, uh, you know, ice cold beer and, uh, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, uh, come on over, have a beer, play some pinball, man. That's what we do. Oh, yeah. Um, Dan, there's something else I was trying to think of, but uh, uh, it seems to have eluded me. I picked up another electromechanical pinball. Uh, one called Pro Football, which ironically is sports based, right? As it does what it says on the tin, but it's a great game. I mean, uh, it 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 was uh, you know 1973, an era where you know the play fields were getting a little plain, and and this thing is super creative. You know, it's got uh, some football variable targets that you hit to sort of advance the football down the field further. Uh, you know, going for the touchdown. So I mean, I don't like sports, and I love this game. It's a really well-designed game. So um, that's kind of what I've been up to. What have you been up to, man? Well, been not a whole lot. I've been traveling for work quite a bit. But I did make it out to uh, the Game On Expo in Mesa, Arizona a couple weekends ago. Uh, it was a really good expo. It was their first one that they ever did out there. Ran by uh, Jason Heine and uh, John Lester. And uh, I, they had a really good show. They had over 4,500 people show up out there. Oh, correction, just found out the Game On Expo had a total attendance of 8,237 people through the turnstiles, and they had a unique attendance of 4,072 people. So I imagine that's going to be over 12,000 people. Holy moly, what a great first year. That's a good number for the first year. Gosh, uh, it was busy as all get out out there. John was uh, one of our exhibitors at CGE, you know. Yes. Real nice guy. Oh, real nice. Someone there caught my uh caught me playing the Ballygaster Cage, showing my mad skills on Space <laughs> Fortress. I didn't realize I was being taped. <laughs> I've had that too, but yeah, you know, somewhat the worse for wear. Oh yeah. But it was a really good show. I had a lot of fun out there hanging out with uh SoCal Mike and the engineer John for the retro VGS. I mainly helped them out at their booth while I was out there. It was some fun. It was a good time. Yeah, I, I saw the panel and everything, so uh, it looked like it went well. Yeah, had a chance to hang out with Keith Robertson for a while in the evening, having dinner and stuff. He's a pretty funny guy. Oh, Keith is the best, man. I, I tell you, we went to, uh, I'll tell you a Keith Robinson and a SoCal Mike story. We were at CGE 2000. No, we weren't, because there was no CGE 2011. EGC. Yeah, EGC, the Emergency Gaming Convention. And uh, for, for the listeners who haven't heard of this, we uh, had done CGE 2010. I've been going to CGE since like 2000. And um, 
they announced, hey, you know, in 2010, hey, can't wait for CG 2011. It's going to happen. Everything's ready. And then one day they came, finally came out and said, oh, yeah, we're not doing CG 2011. And I I remember I was on the phone with UK Mike. I'm like, we're going anyway. And he's like, all right, sounds good. So in just a couple hours, we put together the EGC, which is CG spelled backwards, the Emergency Gaming Convention. So we went out to Vegas and had a great old time, just, you know, three days of video gaming and partying and whatnot. And I said, you know, we, we should record like a really special top 10 and all. We need somebody with some gravitas to come and, you know, deliver it. And uh, I said, how about Keith Robinson? And Keith's always been very good to us. And uh, and we're like, yeah, let's do that. So I call up Keith and say, Keith, can you come up to Vegas and we'll, 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 we'll you know, cover your hotel room and take you to dinner. But uh Come up and host a top 10 with us and hang out. And he's like, sure, why not? So he hops in the car, comes up there, and uh, a very sensible 1985 Chrysler LeBaron, of all things. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't picture Keith with that, but, you know, that's that's his car. So he, uh, he came up. We had a great time. So we go down to Insert Coins was just opening that weekend. And uh, so I called Chris, and regrettably, it just closed. I call Chris up and say, Chris, can we borrow your bar? I want to do a broadcast from there. And he goes, yeah, sure, come on out. So we sit up in the bar, and it's great because they were, like, bringing us drinks, and we're doing a top ten, and it was just, like, live from the bar, you know? And uh, <clears throat> we get done with that, and we're going down to Tony Roma's to have steak, right? SoCal disappears. We get down there, and we're short of SoCal. And we're like, well, I, maybe he had to stop and take a leak, or maybe he got He'll be here in a minute. So we're sitting there waiting to order food. The waitresses are coming by, bringing us more beer or, or, or soda or whatever. And we're like, yeah, we're just waiting on one guy. He'll be here in a minute. I keep trying to call him. <clears throat> and finally, it's like an hour before they close. We've been sitting there like an hour and a half waiting on SoCal. So we're like, all right, uh, we got to order. So we ordered, right? And we're sitting there eating dinner. We get done. And as like we're literally, you know, paying the bill, we're taking a couple group photos. So Mike just photobombs, just pops in the middle of the phone. Hey, guys, what's up? And we're like, hey, it's SoCal Mike. Where are you, right? And he goes, oh, man, sorry. I walked outside and Loverboy was playing. So Loverboy was playing a concert on Fremont. And that took that was SoCal's one sign he needed to blow everybody off and go to the Loverboy concert. <laughs> we love you, SoCal. That's our boy. But, um... That was uh, that was fun, man. That was fun. But you know, I tell you what's great about this community is, uh, you know, a couple years later, you know, 2014, we're doing CGE, and uh, you know, Emily, who's uh, Keith's uh, vice president for Intellivision, calls me up and says, "Hey, Scott, we're looking for a real good place to launch the new Intellivision, Intellivision flashback, and we 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 got to be economical about this, but we'd love to be a sponsor." I'm like, guys, guys, I got you. Don't worry. So, you know, we gave them spotlight. We got them in front. We got them on TV. Uh, everything. It just worked out really well. And, uh, you know, uh, everybody in this hobby kind of looks out for each other. There's a few exceptions, that, a couple blue falcons that can't wait to, you know, do you from behind. But for the most part, it, it is a really cool community. Oh, yeah. I got a piece of sign artwork from Keith Robinson when I was out there in Mesa, too. What'd you get? He gave it to me. It's the one that has a diner on it. The chef and the hot dogs and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's I, awesome. I got up here in the studio wall. Uh, I've got Thin Ice 
uh, number nine of 25. Wow. Um, from the Emergency Gaming Convention. It's a special <laughs> print he did just for EGC. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, and it was right when Emily first started with them, too. You know, she she was, uh, at that point, she was not the director, the vice president of marketing. She was communications director. But Oh, wow. So moving on, let's talk about video cart number 14, starting with the box art. Now, in typical Channel F style, uh, this one has a picture of, what is this? Looks like a boat through a periscope that's being exploded. And then the upper picture shows, like, sonar beeps from under the water up towards the ships. So looking at the box, you immediately think, okay, it's going to be a submarine game, but there's no submarine on the screen that you control at all. It To me, it looks kind of like, uh, you ever played Sub Rock on the uh, Coleco? Yes. I love that game, man. That, that game was, that Sub Rock is one of my, and Time Pilot, two of my absolute favorites. I never have seen, though, in person, in all the years I've been arcade collecting, I've never actually seen a Sub Rock arcade cab. No, I've I've seen the you know many of the the uh, time pilots you know pretty sure Fun Stop up in New Hampshire has one. Yeah, that's just it, it's not one. I, if I saw one, believe me, I'd snap it up. <laughs> in fact, are you going to the auction uh, just to take us out of Fairchild Land real quick? Are you going to the auction uh, this coming Saturday? No, no. Right, and, one down in Winston Salem. Yeah, me and Mark uh, Kaminsky. He's coming up from uh, Atlanta. I'm coming down from DC. Now we're going to meet up there. And, and in fact, we, when we and I were talking about that just yesterday, uh, and we said, yeah, one of us will have to call Willie and see if he wants to go. So here we are. So do you want to go? Yeah, well, uh, probably won't be able to because I'll be coming back from South Carolina the day before. So I have stuff to do around the house. Oh, that's too bad, man. But we'll think of you. you know, oh, yeah. We'll have a good time, man. I always love auction. I, and it's run by my, you know, my friends over at uh, um, Auction Game Sales, which used to be Rick, uh, uh, Rick's outfit, but Rick got like Lou Gehrig's and just, you know, died. Oh, yeah. uh, and it tends to happen. Yeah. But uh, man, Rick, I mean, he was, he was, what a great guy, man. And you know, the, the company has done well, you know, uh, uh, even since his departure. So I always enjoy catching up. With, I've been, I've been going, going to those guys' auctions for fifteen years, you know. Oh yeah. So always nice to see them, you know, the whole gang. So. Uh, yeah, man. So anyway, back to uh, uh, to the channel. channel F land. Um, yeah, the cover for some reason to me it evokes sort of like sub rock, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, you would think it would be like a submarine game or something like that, which you know, I mean, sonar is used on submarines. Sonars are also used on surface ships and yep. dropped by buoys from helicopters. So. <laughs> so yeah, the gameplay is basically straightforward. You have a nice blue screen which represents the ocean. And the computer, if you're playing uh, variation number one by yourself, it'll distribute the enemy ships all over the uh, play field that you can't see. And it gives you a certain amount of shots. Uh, typically, it's around 87 shots for you to find all the ships on the screen. Five of them bad boys. Oh, yeah. And what's really neat is your targeting reticle, which is basically a square with a little dot in the middle of it. As you move it around the screen, you depress the uh, joystick you'll hear a little pinging sound that'll count. And the shorter it is, the closer you are to a ship. So it's it's kind of neat in that respect. Yeah, it's very easy uh, for, you, for one to immediately jump to calling this game Battleship, which, let's face it, it, it is in a way. But see, Battleship, you, you know, Battleship, you get a hit or you get a miss. Right. 
And, you know, this thing, you know, since obviously they couldn't stack up like five hits per ship and, you know, they had to innovate a bit on the gameplay. And I think what they did was actually a slightly better game than Battleship because you, you ping and you get the sonar. So you get to figure out a near miss, you know, so you just keep zeroing in on the target rather than, you know, miss, 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 hit. Now I got to hit it, you know, four or five or three more times depending on how many pegs it has. You actually, you know, zero in by sound to hit the target once and destroy. And then I like the little bit at the end where it actually shows you the placement of the ships, you know? Yeah. And they're drawn just like the battleship ships. Yes. But so it is like battleship, but it's, um, I think it was very intelligent how they managed the differences. Oh, yeah. Well, you got the classic ships in there. We have the destroyer that takes two hits, we have the submarine, which takes three. A cruiser that takes three, the battle wagon which takes four, and then the aircraft carrier it takes five hits. But again, like I said, you don't just hit, 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 hit. You actually you get the near miss, so it's another layer of engagement. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like it. I mean, it's it's exceptionally well done. It has all the the classic you know gameplay battleship, but like I said, I don't think it really really worked at as well as just Battleship. It needed that extra dynamic of the near miss. So, um, well, I think, I think just, the game was influenced by Battleship. They just took it to a different to a different level. Yeah, yeah, which was funny because, you know, again, like we've said on the show so many times, it was in an era when they were figuring out, okay, we got a game system, what, what do we do? Yeah, what do we put <laughs> on know? this thing? So they were trying, you know, basically to digitize board games, uh, card games, you know, Things that people knew. And, you know, to take a board game like that, ba- well, sort of a board game, you know, like Battleship, and turn it into a video game, what, I think it, the, the adaptation went very well. Yeah, the game really shines. You go to the two-player mode. And what's neat about it is, instead of doing your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn, you get a set of shots. So we have eight shots to begin your turn with. So you can fire eight times on the field to find a ship. If you're able to sink a ship during your turn, then the next player, his turn total is reduced by one. So instead of having eight shots, he has seven. So the more ships you sink, the less shots the other player is going to have to try to find your fleet. That's a really neat little uh, thing to put in the gameplay. Yeah, and again, it's not what something that's in the actual board game of Battleships. You know, is it fair to call Battleships a board game? Because it's got the whole plastic hinges and there's the electronic battleship and. Yeah, I. I, I what would you call it? I, I consider the Battleship a board game. I, I guess you could. I had the electronic one by Parker Brothers. I had that one. I thought that was so much cooler than the original, just because. Well, well, you know, the original was fun too, but the electronic was just out of this world. I, I liked it when you would. Tight, you would punch in the keys for the coordinates you want to fire at, and make that whistling sound. And if you miss, it'd make a splash. If you hit, you'd see the little battleship explode in the middle of the uh, console. That was pretty cool. Man your battle stations. Man your battle stations. It's electronic talking battleship from Milton Bradley. So real, it really talks. Battleship armed. Battleship armed. We're talking instant programming, free skill levels, and only Milton Bradley's got them. Against the computer or opponent, your mission, sink the enemy's fleet. Battleship sunk. Battleship sunk. Yeah, now you're talking. 
Electronic talking battleship and original battleship only from Milton Bradley. Yeah, I tell you what, there's one uh, similar to that. Um, yeah, here we go. It, it, Dungeons and Dragons Computer Labyrinth. Have you ever seen that? No. Look at that up, man. These show up on eBay all the time, you know. Um, it's a neat game. It's D&D played on a board with these neat little metal figurines and all. Yeah. And you actually have to sort of keep track of all your movements. And as you go, you map the dungeon out. It's got these little pieces that represent walls and monsters and all that. And so as you go, it, it knows it places the treasure and the dragon in different rooms. And as you go, you move your pieces. Like, it'll tell you, oh, you bumped into a wall. So then you actually take a little wall counter and build it up. Um, I picked this up. Uh, oh, you're talking about that electronic. Yeah. It's like oh, electronic I've seen game. those. Those things are cool. I've never messed with one. Open your mind to Dungeons & Dragons computer game from Mattel Electronics. It will lead your imagination down a dungeon labyrinth wherein lies the dragon's treasure. Steal his treasure, but make no false moves. For in Dungeons & Dragons, a dead end is a dead end. Dungeons & Dragons from Mattel Electronics. Yeah, I, I picked this thing up, I want to say like almost six months ago. And I, I took it to work one night when we, uh, we weren't in the middle of anything crazy. And I just pulled it out. And a friend of mine that I work with is, you know, a big D&D fan and all too. I was like, dude, game? He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we just started, you know, hammering away at that. And, you know, it's funny because at the time, those games, like, you know, the electronic board games like Battleship and the D&D uh, uh, Computer Labyrinth, they seemed a lot more intuitive than they are now because we're just not used to thinking in, in that technical literacy, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it's like I've said in the past, you know, what takes more smarts to operate? A, you know, the TVs we grew up with, you know, we have the mechanical dial plus the fine tuning and the AFC and all that. Or a digital, you know, modern, you know, TV with a menu and all that. Uh, well, you know, they both take about the same amount of intelligence, but, you know, it's the cultural literacy. You take a kid that's used to the computer stuff, drop him in front of the, one of these analog TVs, they have no idea what to do. Yeah. You know, just like, you know, if you were simply used to analog, the digital might be, oh, hey, that's, you know, what do I do? But, yeah, uh, yeah so I, 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 there's always that sort of that neat electronic assisted board game genre, you know. And if what I'm getting at here is, is the Channel F, um, uh, you know, in, in the sonar search, it kind of gives you that electronic assisted board game feel. Yeah, the only the only feature it doesn't have that would have been nice to have is you can't place your own ships it's all computer yeah that's the only down down thing about it you can't place your own ships on the screen but you know i'll say this is there really any layout of ships that strategically advantage advantage has a strategic advantage or is exceptionally brilliant i don't really think so because you kind of just pick i'm going to fire here and here x and y and you hit or you miss. And from then, do I go up, down, left, right to zero in on the target? You know, it, it is what it is. You know, um, I, I, I don't think that anybody has ever really won a game of battleships by a good or a bad layout. Because I don't think it really makes a difference. I mean, I, you've you've done a thing where you do the all of them clustered in the center. You do, uh, <laughs> you know, as a ring around the thing and the whole center's empty. 
Yeah. And, you know, you can try all those things, but, you know, or just diverse, you know, spread out. I don't know if it's ever made a difference. Yeah, I do. I do what's called a uh, a night grid, a night search pattern where like in the uh, the chess game, how the night moves three over one down. Yeah. That's how I play Battleship. I go three over one down, three over one down, and just keep going across. I always did like a, uh, and, and when I play this game, Sonar Search, I do the same thing. I do a uh, sector by sector. So I do like an X. I'll start in the bottom left, go up to the top right. Start in the upper left, go down to the bottom right. So that I've sort of drawn an X on the screen. If you don't hit anything, then you start checking each individual pie, you know, each each quarter. And just keep cutting it down to size. And, and you know, it seems to work out pretty well. I think the search strategy is far more important than the ship distribution. Oh, yeah. Well, like on this game here, Sono Search, uh, it doesn't put a marker where you fire. So you can actually shoot in the same spot and not realize you did. So you got to keep track of where you're shooting at. That's why having a search pattern is sensible. Yes. Oh, yes. Now, in the vein of Sonar Search, there's another electronic board game that I've really enjoyed growing up. It's called uh, Codename Sector. This computer is the brain behind an extraordinary game from Parker Brothers, Codename Sector. You use the computer to track down an unseen sub. The sub uses the computer to escape and counterattack. Your mission, be the first ship to sink the enemy sub. Range, 10, speed 9. Firing range, depth 3, fire. Right. Codename Sector, the board game where you match wits for the computer. Have you heard of that one? Hmm. I, I don't know. You know we were uh, talking about this at work the other day. There's a couple of games, uh, like, you know, like... Uh, Subsearch and a few others that had like the multi-level is like battleship except like four different levels of you know plastics um what was the name of this one code name sector what it was is you had a huge nautical uh map that was on the board oh yeah yeah i had pencils and you would plot your courses and stuff your ship and you would try to find the hidden submarine using a keypad and a digital readout uh on the top of the board Play that game for hours. It was a great game. I had the German version of it. What? And um, I had the German version. And it was Das Electronic Spiel for Jungen Art, you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, it it was slightly different, okay? Now, you had the compass where it had the four LEDs. And you had, you know, the ship number, the speed, direction, all that. Yep. And then you had the SIS, you know, Combat Information Center. And everything was labeled a little bit different, but what I liked about it was just how complex it was. You know, it, it's I've like I've always liked complex sims, like something like you know Steel Battalion. So playing the one-player version of uh, Sonar Search, how many shots did you have left when you won the game? Did you keep track of that? Um, I would say I usually managed to get it in about fifty shots. That's that's pretty good. Usually, my best is fifty-four left. 54 shots left. So from yeah. 87 to 54. So, you know, the best score you can ever get at this game would be a score of 70, which means you didn't miss once. So I missed 20, no, 16 times before I sank all the ships, which isn't too bad. No, it's not. You know, and, and the thing is, uh, once you go to the uh, competitive element, obviously 
two player, your goal is to blow the other guy up. That's if correct. If you do that, you're happy. <laughs> and then when the game's over, the winning side is sitting there flashing. Their fleet flashes on the screen. There was another game, a board game. That was, and again, you know, this is inspired by board games. Um, do you remember one called Subsearch? Vaguely. Take a look real quick. Subsearch. I think this game has... Uh, obviously, it's more Battleship than it is anything else. But it's got some elements of Subsearch in it, too. Oh, by Milton Bradley. Yeah, yeah, this is... Uh, yeah. I Isn't that a gorgeous this. game when it's put together? I didn't have this game, but yeah, it's like multi-leveled, and it plays like Battleship, it looks like. Yeah, except now it's subs. You know, that's pretty cool, dude. They'll make an electronic version of that. Mm. Oh, I wish they did. Oh, that's a pretty but, yeah. game. Yeah, it's, it's been a while since... I've got one just stashed away. I just, you know, when do you ever play it, you know? Well, yeah, yeah. I'm the same way. I got some board games laying around here that we've not busted out in years. I got ones I don't even know why I bought. <laughs> just like the wife probably saw it and said, oh, let's get that. Well, you do have a collection of real neat ones, the arcade-based ones. I like oh, those. Oh, I love those, yeah. I mean, they're, they're works of art. Some of those are. Well, I tell you what, if if you, if you um, I think I've mentioned this before. I know I mentioned on the Retro Game Roundup. If you want to get into collecting something uh, for, uh, you know, uh, gaming, the video game board games are a great thing to collect. Except for with just a very few exceptions, like Legend of Zelda and you know later ones that they didn't make that many of, they're plentiful, they're cheap, and they're really really cool. Even if you don't play them much, just have them sitting on the shelf. You know they they look amazing. The artwork, it's all done. Most of it's you know Milton Bradley Parker Brothers. You know, uh, but it, it, it you know at the time I never bought them. You know because the, the board games, let's say. Let's say a video game cartridge was 35 bucks, and the board game was 25 I would say to myself, why would I ever buy the board game when I can buy another video game cartridge? It was always like the board game was the old, the outgoing technology. No, I didn't care about those anymore. I was, you know, love the video game. But, you know, nowadays, you can just go back and snap them all up and pick out what you're missing. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I was just taking a look at Codename Sector. Those are also plentiful and available on eBay and inexpensive. Yeah, that's one of my favorite board games. That and there was one called Electronic Intercept. Intercept, Intercept, Intercept. It's Intercept, the fantastic new electronic strategy game from Lakeside. The enemy bomber attacks your base. You position your missiles, launch your fighter. You fire, you miss, you track and fire again. Hit, you win. Your turn to command the jet bomber. You maneuver. The enemy fires a missile and misses. You fire. Bombs away. It's a hit. I'll get you next time. Get Intercept, the fantastic new electronic strategy game from Lakeside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is another great electronic board game. It was a lot of fun to play. You know, and it's, it's kind of interesting because I think, you know, just my opinion, the high point of board games. Now, there's I know there's some newer ones like, you know, we were at uh, Blackpool over in the U.K., and we were looking at the Game of Thrones, you know, uh, board game. The the board game guys are maniacs. Well, uh, you've been to uh, um, MAGFest. You know, when we're loading in the arcade, literally, you know, two days before MAGFest opens, the board game guys are all out there in the hallway already playing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Two days prior. And on, you know, Sunday night or, or you know, uh, the last day of MAGFest, you know, 
we're like, you know, loading trucks, breaking stuff down, and every guest there has disappeared, except the board game guys are still out in the hallway playing. Yes. <laughs> you know, those are some dedicated dudes. Okay. I know there's new stuff out there, but, you know, for me, the high watermark of board games was that era right before video games. That 70s era, there were some magical board games, you know, in the late 60s, man. But when they first introduced electronics into, like, we're talking, you know, uh, 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 Nomen Sector or, or Codename Sector, uh, you had the, the U.S. version, I take it. Yes. That uh, was, what, 76, 77? Yep. So that was literally the year before the channel left. So you had this magical crossover period of electronics coming into board games and board games being represented on, you know, video game media. Awesome. Well, on the next episode, we're going to be talking about video cart number 15, Memory Match. So this one should be a fun one. Not quite as magical as, uh, you know, Codename Sector. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, um, so search. So I'm telling you, you got me hooked on. Uh, I haven't thought of that game. I don't, I couldn't tell you the last time I thought of that game. I remember, you know, a relative of mine in Germany had it. And whenever we were there, we'd pull it out and play it, you know. Yep. Um, you know what's funny is I actually remember some of my relatives' houses by where they had their games and what they had. Uh, I remember we would go see um, my uh, uncle and aunt uh, in Wisconsin. And my cousin Mike, he was, he was probably about five years older than me. So he was always into the cooler stuff that I wanted to be into before I was into, you know. I mean, I remember like he was in the ham radio when I was like, you know, barely out of diapers. I was like, that looks cool. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so he was in RC airplanes like, you know, a year or two before I was. So he was always like, whenever we went to visit him, he had the cool stuff that I really, really wanted to get into. <laughs> and uh, I remember they had in the basement this uh, sort of the, the louver ventilated style uh, closet doors that would fold out. And there was the stack of board games. And they had, like, you know, Subsearch and, you know, all those, you know, really cool board games. And, uh, you know, I always liked those, you know. And, and so I always remember, you know, in Germany playing, you know, the, the Codename Sector, you know. Uh, uh, but, yeah, what a great time. I mean, video games growing out of, you know, the arcade and board games and board games becoming electronic. Uh, you know, today you, you, I, I don't think there's that many electronically augmented board games. Are there? Mm, not a whole lot. I've seen a few, but I don't really pay too much attention to them anymore. Yeah. Me neither. But, but there in the, the, you know, the, the mid to late seventies, there were a lot of electronically augmented board games. Well, there was quite a few. And man, are they cool? They are cool. I like going through the old, Sears and Roebuck catalog or something like that on the Montgomery Wards and seeing these old electronic board games. Have you seen the online version of those catalogs? Yes. Yes. Oh, man, have I spent some time on that site. Yeah, it's like, oh, I remember this, and I try to go find it. <laughs> yep, right over to eBay. Yeah, oh, yeah, there we go. Done. Well, everyone, until next time, respect the F. And go F yourself. Yay. But if you have anything Fairchild-related you'd like to share... You can reach us at our new email address, the channel F files at gmail.com. Or you can go to our Facebook page, the channel F files and make posts on there talking about your favorite fair child memories or anything else you'd like to share with the podcast. So again, thanks for listening to the show. We'll be back soon with uh, another video card. Mm-hmm.